Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. of 
young people making bad decisions. Um, like we were talking earlier uh, about, um, you know, I know of a case where uh, a young lady had uh, college scholarship to uh, to a, a well-known college, a very, very high-ranked college where she could have ended up, you know, if she stuck with it, to have a uh, very promising career, be self-supportive and, you know, basically go, <clears throat> excuse me, wherever she wanted to in the business world. But she made some foolish mistakes, and she is now incarcerated. Wow. You know, and this is happening all too much in our communities, wherever we are scattered throughout the world. And it's something that hopefully uh, this entire topic, you know, the, the destruction of family and the remedy, uh, that's something that we'll be able to um, – edify the people in tonight. Yeah, yeah, Lord's will. Um, it's interesting you said that because um, there was a story on the news today. This morning I was watching the news and there was a young man that was uh, arrested and was being charged for rape. And he had a, a, a couple of scholarships at different schools. And he threw all that away just going after sex. You know, so, you know, it shows that, you know, these young people, um, you can get a good education in this world, but yet the problem is where, where you're lacking is the moral mm-hmm. foundation of the scriptures where it shows us that, you know, how we're supposed to treat our sisters, how we're supposed to treat our brothers, how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. And um, that's a missing ingredient, and it's a very key ingredient. Uh-huh. And it seems to be uh it seemed to it seemed to me that the main focus of people is um financial success. As long as they um their kids are being financially successful uh, and on the road to financial success, they think everything is peachy peaches and cream, but there's another there's another angle that they missing, which is do they have the the, the morals and values to uh to go out into into society and when we hear these things happen it's it's like evident that the answer is no you know because how could somebody have a scholarship uh where schools are interested in that person but yet they fall into drug addiction they fall into uh different crimes you know different crimes where they wind up doing a lot of time and throwing that whole career away yeah yeah because the focus is not in the right place. So um, to start off, you know, if you don't mind, I want to hit a, f- a few scriptures to try to lay a foundation on this topic because this is what these scriptures I'm about to pull out. I'm, I got three scriptures I like to hit. And it really uh-huh. highlights the root of the whole problem. Okay. This is uh, this is Matthew's 22nd chapter. Okay. Um. I like to start at verse uh, 34. Okay. It says, uh, But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment? In the law, one thing we have to understand too, 
for our listening audience is that when it's, the scriptures talk about he was a lawyer mm-hmm. in this biblical time under this this the uh, the government of the Israelites or what the world known as Jews the, the Jews at that time when a man is a lawyer it's just like in the society when you're a lawyer in the society it means you you uh, study the Constitution and the laws of the United States uh-huh. well, in biblical times in Jerusalem a lawyer was somebody that studied the Bible. Because that was their constitution. That was the law of that land and the law of that country that they lived by. So I just wanted to point that out so the listening listening audience have a good understanding of what we mean by he's a lawyer. Okay, um, so he's asking Christ, um, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Okay, um, I might read that verse 36 again. Master, which is the great commandment? In the law, meaning the most important commandment. Verse 37, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So to explain that, so everybody get understanding what what he mean by these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets, because first of all we have to understand how to love God to understand that statement. So to give everybody a clear understanding of how we love God, this is First John's, the fifth chapter. Give me a second here to get it. First John's five, I'm gonna read verse two and three. <clears throat> By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. So when we look at that scripture with some understanding about the commandments of the most high, it says the, that's, we could understand why Christ says The second is like unto it You shall love your brother as yourself Because when we keep the commandments of God We're loving God And we're also loving our brother Because we're not stealing from him We're not hating him We're not uh, um, All the things the scripture is talking about Thou shall not commit adultery Because when you commit adultery who you, Whose wife are you sleeping with Scripture says thou shall not steal Because when you steal Who are you stealing from so it's really directing us on how we love each other because we are treating each other righteously. We're not trying to uh, take a brother's uh, daughter or brother's sister or you could say our own sister or member of our nation and take her just for a sex tool. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not love. So understanding that, we once we understand the commandments, we understand how we love God and how we love one another. So the next scripture I want to read, and then I'm going to hand it over to you, brother, is Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, to show how all this connects and will keep us from making the errors that we are about to go into. Um, Deuteronomy 6 and starting at verse 4. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's the same statement Christ started off when he was answering the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The same statement he made because sometimes it takes that much strength and that much fight to keep the commandments of the Most High, to keep yourselves from sinning. You have to fight those evil spirits that's moving on you. You have to fight your lust, the lust of your flesh, to do what's righteous in the eyes of God and and in the eyes of men. Because it is a righteous thing to deal with each other according to the scriptures. So, uh, verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thy heart, meaning in our minds, talking about the laws and commandments. It should supposed to be in our minds. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. So that's that's a big thing right there because a lot of these young men that's uh, graduating school, are they learning these commandments from their parents or are they just learning to uh, go to school and get good grades? Because they definitely, you could get good grades in school and definitely not know the commandments because the commandments is not part of the cur- curriculum. So uh, verse 7 again. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So even when you're walking through the streets, you know, you see things uh, going wrong, and people doing things which are wicked and contrary to the commandments, you're supposed to point that out to your children. When thou walkest in the streets, when thou sittest down in your house, you're pointing things. You could be watching TV, you're pointing things to your children that are wrong, that are wicked, that are against the commandments of God, and teach them to fear the Lord. Okay, verse 8. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be faultless before, between thy eyes. See, that right there is, is um, speaking in parable. Or dark saying because it's not talking about actually taking the commandments and wrapping them in your hands or wrapping them on your foreheads. It's talking about the when you do sin, when you are committing sin, it's your hands that's doing things. You know, it's your hands that you're using to steal. It's your hands and your body that you're using to fornicate. It's your hands that you're using to worship idols. It's your hand that you're using to to to, to kill. So when you go do things with your hands, you know not to do things contrary to the commandments. And when it says faultless between your eyes, because you use your eyes to see the direction where you're going. So if you go into a direction that's contrary to the commandments of God, you're supposed to remember that, whoa, I can't do this. This is wicked. This is evil in the eyes of God. And this is something sinful that I should refrain myself from doing. That's what that's referring to. In verse 9. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. Same thing when it talks about writing them upon the posts of your house, meaning with inside your house, you are operating in righteousness. You're keeping the Sabbath days. You Inside your house, you're not doing things contrary to commandments. You're not doing evil things. You're not bringing prostitutes in your house. You're not uh, beating on your wife and things that are wicked in the eyes of God. And when it talks about and in thy gates, meaning in the city that you're in, you, in our cities is supposed to be righteousness and keeping of the commandments within our cities and within our borders. And if we do these things, all these things that we see happening automatically cease from happening. So this right here is a family structure right here where you're supposed to, a man and a woman is supposed to be together and supposed to teach their children 
how to how to conduct themselves, how to find themselves a sister that's in Christ and to have a relationship that's in Christ, dealing with each other righteously, and a man and a woman dealing with each other righteously. And these things are definitely the remedy. All right, brother, let me uh, get you in on this. Okay. All right, all praises, bro. That was a, that was a complete introduction of uh, pertaining to what we're talking about here because um, that's going into how the Lord made us to be in the beginning. And that's really how we should get back to. But I want to go into a little more of a description of how this uh, family is supposed to roll. Let's go to uh, Genesis 2, 24. Okay. Um, you want me to read that for you? Um, yeah, if you want to actually, yeah, start at 23. Okay. Genesis 2:23. And Adam said, "This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." Okay. Therefore, no, hold on, hold on, stop, bro. Okay. So, um, so you know how people will say, listen, you know, I got to sleep around and before I find the right one or do this, I got to sow my oats, I got to, you know, I got to relieve pressure, I got to do this before I find the one I want to settle down with. No, um, if you see, as you read up in Chapter 2 of Genesis, how... Adam was out and he uh, was naming all the beasts and he was out and he was describing everything and he was putting everything in order according to how the Lord showed him how to put it in order. When he, meaning the Lord, saw that uh, there was no one just for Adam, he decided to make one for Adam. So when Adam saw that, hey, you know what? This is the one for me. This is the one that's going to complete me. Okay, what did he do? Did he hit it and then keep it on the, as the main one? Then, you know, he kept several on the side? Or what did Adam do? Read Genesis 2.24. Okay. Therefore... Shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Okay. So, this is actually a commandment of marriage. Actually, Christ referred to this commandment when the scribes and Pharisees and lawyers asked him about divorce. You know, he said it was mm-hmm. given to you as something because of the hardness of your hearts because you were carnal. But from the beginning, it was not so. So we have to go 
into the words of Christ's understanding of what was commanded to get us back to the beginning and the perfection that was in the beginning, not looking for things because of the hardness of our heart. So exactly. what happened? What happened is they cleave to each other. A man will leave his parents, and a woman will leave her parents, and cleave to each other, and they shall be one flesh, one unit. Okay, and they were both naked. You can look at uh, what the scriptures say, what naked means. It means open and unashamed, or when they're open or revealed. That's what the scriptures are talking about when it says naked in these in these contexts. Not the the what we've been taught about. They had a fig leaf. Uh, Adam had a fig leaf, one fig leaf covering himself, and then the woman had a fig leaf covering herself, or you know, something covering her body, and that that's not talking about that. That right, is right. what has been taught in the church. Okay. It means they were both open and unashamed. They had no secrets. There was nothing to hide. Everything was wide open. Okay. The man and his wife and they were not ashamed. Meaning they, they had nothing to be ashamed of because they were perfectly dealing with one another. That's mm-hmm. how we should be. Okay. So now I was looking. Let me say something. Yeah, go ahead, bro. Yeah, I wanted to say something on the, on the hardness of heart, too, because uh-huh. when Christ, uh, just so everybody out there have a good understanding that when Christ said, because of the hardness of your heart was divorced, basically what Christ was telling us is that the hardness of the heart is somebody that's saying, I'm not following the commandments. You know what I'm saying? You, if a man had a wife that decided she was in a heart in her heart, or had a husband that decided, look, I want to worship Baal. I don't want to worship God. I want to worship the Sun God. That's a, uh-huh. that's a hardness of heart. So now there's a problem because because y'all not one, y'all not one in Christ now. There's a problem because that person is going into idolatry. In that case, you can leave that person. So that's why adult, that's why. Um, 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 divorce had to be set up because somebody in that relationship, or maybe both of the people, were being rebellious. So, yep. if we both are following the scriptures, which is the mediator between us, between everybody, if we're both following it, then there should be no problem. But if one person decided they're not going to follow while one person's following, then there's going to be a problem there. There's going to be no peace in that house. Uh-huh. So that's why divorce came out. But if both individuals said, "Look, we're going to be obedient to the to the Most High. We're going to follow the Scriptures through the understanding of Christ," then you're going to have peace and harmony. Exactly. Exactly. So let's go to uh, a couple scriptures in Proverbs. Uh, let's read Proverbs eighteen and twenty-two. Okay. Proverbs of I I'll get it, bro. Proverbs eighteen and twenty two. I, I got it. Oh, okay. Okay. Just read twenty two. Whoso find a wife findeth a good thing and obtain favor of the Lord. So when you find a wife, it's, it's the the one that's just for you, out of all the women in the world, that's you obtaining 
favor from the Lord. And we all know that to get favor from the Lord, we have to be obeying him and keeping his commandments to really, really obtain that favor for him and get the wife that good thing for us, that help meet or help ready or right for him. We, But just like just like uh, Adam was doing, he was looking around or whatever, and he was naming stuff, but like the Lord saw that there was not a help just right for him. So he made one. So the Lord here showing you that favor can bring that wife to you or that husband to you that you mm-hmm. can cleave together as a unit with for the rest of your life. Okay. Let's go to Proverbs 31, 10 through 12. Okay. Proverbs 31 and 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. Stop. Who can find a virtuous woman? A, A woman that has virtue, meaning that has that proper mindset, that proper spirit on her to be a righteous woman. Well, Proverbs 18 says one that a man that obtains favor of the Lord. Okay, read on. The heart of her husband, verse 11, the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Okay, so now, it doesn't describe what this woman looks like, does it? No, it does not. So, that means that you should not get with a woman as a man because she looked like Big Booty Judy when she could be the most evil woman out there for you. So there's a standard. You have to be able to safely trust in her so that you have no need of getting spoiled or, like, spoil is a term from, like, wars. When it, when the Israelites would go out in the Bible and defeat another country, another people, they would defeat them, chase them away, and take all their goods, all their spoil. So the worth of this woman, the price of this woman, is far above rubies, jewelry, okay? He won't have any need of a uh, of, of windfall or, or a, a gigantic bonus or anything like that because he got this woman that he can safely trust in that's worth more than anything else to him. She, and she will do him good, not evil, all the days of her life. So she will not run around behind him, cheat on him, stress him out. She will tell him what she what he needs to hear. You know, so the scriptures bring out that there's a standard you have to go by when looking for a a, a wife as a man or looking for a husband as a woman. There's a standard there. And yeah. you have to prove or be patient and wait and see if this person is going to be this uh, description that's in the scriptures. 
Exactly. So so that's what that that's what that's getting into. Now, um let's see. Um let's go to Proverbs uh that's a, that's dealing let's go to Proverbs twenty three. That was dealing a little bit with the husband and wife. And how they're supposed to be, you know, how you're supposed to look or, and this may not be an overnight thing. Sometimes it may take a while. So you have to have patience and long suffering and the other qualities the scriptures talk about. Yeah, that's that's something I was gonna I was gonna say too. Because sometimes, um, she has to be molded into that, and you also have to be molded into. Um, we all have to be molded into Christ to be Christ-like. Exactly. Exactly, and it and takes more. You know, go ahead. Yeah, it takes time, and it takes uh, each other building each other up with other brothers and sisters, and um, the husband and the wife building each other up and helping one another, helping other brothers and sisters in the church with the, um, the scriptures talk about the um, um, admonishing one another. You know, exactly. to help to help lift each other up. So we we can fit fit this because the virtue the virtue comes in someone when you look at that word virtue like a virtuous woman or a virtuous man the virtue comes in the the scriptures following the scriptures you know Christ is a perfect example of virtue because a virtuous person is somebody that will come in your house and you don't have to worry about them stealing from you because exactly. they're keeping the commandments you don't have to worry about them molesting your children or or trying to lay with your wife. Or trying to do any type of evil to you because their 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 actions are in line with the scriptures. Yep. And that's that virtue and morals we're talking about. Exactly. You know, um, let's go to Proverbs twenty-three. One quick thing about um, about uh, choosing a husband or a wife. Let's look at this example in Proverbs twenty-three. Okay. Uh, and verse 21. Okay, 23 and 21. For the drunkard and the and the glutton shall come to poverty, and, and browsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Okay. So a drunkard, let's say you interested in somebody and you want to make them your husband as a sister that this sister wants to you know make this man her husband but he's a drunkard he's going to come to poverty and there's always going to be that confusion because he's carrying long at the at the strong drink and there's other scriptures that go into how we should not be drunkards so that would be a deal breaker or that would be something that the the woman would have to be patient on and say hey listen brother you know these scriptures here you got to put that away you know you, you know, know something else that adds on to that too I, mm-hmm. um that the scriptures don't really mention but it, it connects with it is somebody that's on drugs also yeah exactly exactly because they're not in their right mind and then the same thing goes on with the glutton, the, the 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 person that's lusty as far as eating food and stuff like that. That's not a good thing. Why would why would uh, 
you know, uh, why would you want to get with somebody and they're just going to put that chaos and confusion in that into your marriage? You have to take and iron these things out and admonish, like you were saying, and correct the, the brother or the sister that you're looking at and just say, hey, listen, this is how we have to improve ourselves. We have to go according to these scriptures. But just on a note, if you're looking at somebody and they have these tendencies and you see what the scripture says, that could potentially be a deal breaker if they don't want to give that up. You know, and then it also says, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. So there's that that loving too much sleep or being late, that's going to have an impact on the marriage, and that's something that, you know, shouldn't be dealt with. But let's look at what we should uh, look for in a marriage as well as in everything else. Skip up to verse 12 of Proverbs. Okay. Proverbs 23. Okay, 23 and 12. It says, Apply thy heart unto instruction and thy ears to the words of knowledge. Oh, okay. So that's that improvement, that continual self-improvement that the scriptures talk about that you were referencing earlier. Now, how does that apply when you're dealing with children? Read the next verse. Verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Okay. So now... It says, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Is that saying that correction is beating a child with the rod only? No, it's not. Okay. It's also talking about what's in verse 12. Now, the husband and wife should deal with each other like that, but they should also deal with the children with instruction and getting them to um, uh, attend, as the scriptures say, to knowledge, to learn and to know how to, what, fend for themselves with a righteous mindset because their parents will not be around forever. So they have to be taught, even from a young, young age, listen, this is what you don't do. You don't go over somebody's house and steal. Why? Because if you're doing that, and you might end up later on in life being a bank robber or something like that and get put in jail for life or shot and killed or maimed or something like that. So, and sometimes that correction and that instruction needs to get a, a little, uh, you know, to a point where it's physical. And that's not talking about going into child abuse. I know in um, New York State, there's an article in the in the state law that allows you to use necessary force to keep your uh, child um, uh, from going down the wrong path. I forget exactly how the law is stated, but it does allow for for uh, something physical, but it is very very far short of abuse. Scriptures don't. Uh, condone the abusing of children or of anybody else. 
What it does condone is the teaching of an understanding, and that's what we're dealing with. There should be an understanding of how to live in the family, and that understanding should be also translated or trained into the children. So read Proverbs 23 and 14. Okay. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Oh, okay. So wow. if your little kid, if little Johnny likes to steal, he just go over people's house and take stuff, or go go in your bedroom and take stuff, go in the basement, take stuff, go here and take stuff, go in the store, take stuff. And you keep telling them, the scriptures say, listen, <laughs> he need his butt kicked. Well, not kicked, but he need his butt whipped. You know, and then and then by doing that and getting him out of that mindset where he thinks it's okay to steal, you could actually deliver his soul from hell because you may have kept him from becoming that bank robber that's going to end up in the hell we call prison or ten toes up in the ground because he stole from the wrong one. So, yeah, yeah. And you know what, uh... I want to add this in too because it's a powerful point because it's showing you that you're not only um, helping the guy that child into you know having a better future by making right decisions and not doing things that are evil but there's also a kingdom that's coming also you know what I'm saying there's also judgment that's coming from the most high God you know even if he was a even if the kid could become a successful drug dealer or a successful criminal and not serve any time and retire rich, he still have a judgment that's coming upon him. You know, that's what a lot of people also forget. You know, a lot of people also forget that there's a, there's a day of judgment. And if you can be uh, financially successful in this world or what you perceive to be financial success for 20, 30, 40 years or whatever you have left of your life and then enter into damnation when somebody that may not be so financially successful but did the things that were righteous in the eyes of God, that person is going to get immortality. Exactly. In a glorious kingdom that faded not away. So, I mean, come on, what is true success? Really, let's look at this thing. Exactly. Hey, maybe we could talk about true success in a later class. <laughs> Sounds like a good topic Yeah, yeah We did a class on that Oh, you did? Oh, okay Alright Well, um, you know what? I want to go to one more thing about how The family And uh, The family uh, Should be in Christ Okay uh, In Titus chapter 1 Now it's going to talk about the uh, description of what a bishop should be, a bishop or an elder. And it tells you in the, um, I think it's First Timothy. Yeah, it tells you in First Timothy that if you desire to have the office of a bishop or an elder, you desire a good thing. But there are certain qualities that you have to have. So we should all uh, 
desire to be on a higher spiritual level, meaning that we should we should all desire to be a fine example of how to live according to Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. You could have an excellent understanding on how to do that and not be an elder. Mm-hmm. You know, but it is a fine, that's okay, but it is a, a very good thing to desire. And what are the things that make up some of the qualities of being on this higher spiritual level? Let's read Titus 1, uh, verse 5. Okay. Now the end of the commandments is charity out of a pure heart. Oh, my fault, my fault. I got uh, Timothy's. Sorry about that. That's okay. Yeah, I do it all the time. I might do it a couple of times tonight. <laughs> okay, Titus 1, verse 5. For this cause left I thee in, in uh, Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Okay, so he's going he's gonna to describe the qualities or some of the qualities of someone that has a higher understanding than everybody else of how to deal and live in Christ. And these men were set up to be elders so that they could help others attain the same understanding. It's not a status. It's not, you know, number one on the donor board or anything like that. Okay, it is the ability to live right and teach others to attain that same understanding. What are some of these qualities, these descriptions? Read uh, Titus 1 and 6. If any be blameless. Okay, hold on. Okay. Sorry. He's blameless, meaning he's got a very good understanding of how to live according to Christ, and he does not mess up. Read on. The husband of one wife. Or with one on the side. What What does that say? I've, I got a spot over that page in my Bible right there. What, could you read that again? The husband of one wife. Okay. So he's not a player. Huh? He's, he's not a player. Exactly. He ain't got nothing on the side. Okay. And this is what we should all desire because it tells you it's a good thing to desire to be to be able to live with that understanding. So read Titus, Titus one and six. Start from the beginning. I gotta say this too, uh, brother. Uh, uh-huh. That's the thing in this society, man. That's really looked looked uh, looked high upon. It should be frowned upon, but it's it's like a badge of honor. And you hear, you know, you turn on the radio, you hear uh, radio announcers calling each other players. You hear grown men. That should be fathers and grandfathers calling each other player. Yeah. You know, like, you would think that it's a good thing. Yeah, the way they hype it up, but don't believe the hype. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because the understanding that we get from the scriptures is a very evil thing. Exactly. Exactly. 
So read verse 6 again. If any man be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Okay, so his faith and his understanding of how to live in Christ has to be trained or given to the children because the children should be uh, shown from even at a young age all the way up through their growing years how they should live not only then but after he that man is dead and gone. Okay, so that's showing that how, uh, and this is a good thing to desire this, right? That's what the scripture yeah. say. Okay, and so. Let me, let me make a quick mm-hmm. point too, brother, because yeah. you know what it shows you too, because if that's the quality you're looking at a man in order to be a leader of the church, it's obviously the quality that the people in the church are being taught. You understand? Yep. That quality should be something that all the members are to um, aspire to be. They they should exactly. be aspiring to fit that example. So then, you know, they be promoted. They can get promoted to a higher level. Or It's not really about the promotion. It's about doing the things that's pleasing God. Because if you're doing these things, these are the things that's pleasing God. And when somebody, you know, when... When you read this letter to Paul to Titus, he's telling them, look, when you see these qualities in somebody, that's the type of person that should be a leader because he's setting forth the right example. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So this, but this is, how, this is how a family should be run according to the word of God, whether or not the husband and wife, or son, daughter, or whatever, receive promotion or position or status. This is how it should be. It's not how it is in the in the world, you know. And um, if you don't have nothing, bro, I want to go into why is it the opposite today. Let me. Um, there's one one thing I wanted to uh, bring out on that. Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Uh, you know, as you was talking, the scriptures was running in my head, and um. Uh, one thing about me, I'm very bad with remembering what the scriptures are. Maybe you can help me out. Remember the scripture where it says, uh, "If she be pleased to dwell with him." I think that's, that's Corinthians. First, uh, I think that's First Corinthians seven, right? Yes, yes, you got it. I want to read that real quick, uh, because it, it talks about. Whether uh, it shows you that because we made a statement earlier about both of them need to be, you know, in the Christ. Because mm-hmm. if if one of them are not in Christ, that's that's going into the hardness of heart. Yeah. So there's a point in there I wanted to bring out. Um, it's first Corinthians read, seven twelve, right? So start at thirteen. Where where is what, what verse you want me to start at? Thirteen. Okay. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 13. And the woman which hath an husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. So this this uh, man, he doesn't believe, but he's going to follow. That's what means um, be pleased to dwell with. The reason why we understand that that's what it's talking about 
Because when you go into uh, later down in Corinthians, Paul writes the same letter and say that we are not to uh, keep company of anyone that is an idolater. Exactly, you know? or fornicator or whatever else, you know? Exactly. So if somebody doesn't believe, that means they're into idolatry. So he's not talking about somebody that doesn't believe and is not willing to follow. He's talking about somebody that's believed, that doesn't believe, but they're willing to follow. They're not going to go into idolatry. That's being pleased to dwell with. I mean, they're gonna, they want to learn and follow. Exactly. And increase their understanding so that they can get to where Christ is. Yeah, they can build their faith. Exactly, exactly. Verse 14. Uh, okay. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. All right. That's the scripture I really wanted because it shows that the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife because the sanctification is coming in that person believing and making changes to uh, repenting and making the proper changes in their life to be cleansed through the blood of Christ. Christ isn't going to cleanse them if they're still in idolatry. Christ is going to cleanse them if they're still out there committing fornication. So the scriptures let you know that the unbelieving husband is being sanctified because now he's applying, he's following, and he's being changed into a righteous person. So it says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. So they, they're not dealing with the hardness of heart where divorce comes in. They're dealing with following and learning and being converted. And then it says, this is the part I really wanted. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. So it shows you that the children at one time didn't believe, they weren't following, but they're holy. Why? Because they're learning from the mother and the father, and they're learning to be right in the eyes of, of the Most High. And um, one more verse. I want to read verse 15 on top of that. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It says, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. Yeah, because the bondage is the marriage. So he's saying, hey, look, that's the person that's departing is that that goes right back to what Christ was saying about the hardness of heart, because they do not want to follow and do not want to be obedient to the scriptures so they can leave. Because they want to have a hard heart. So that's why, and then it comes and says, but God has called us to peace. Because the peace that we're going to have is when both are following the scriptures and are following that example of Christ. And their children are learning to follow. That's when you're going to have that peace in that house. That's when everything's going to flow in peace. But if one is following and another don't want to follow, they want to go into idolatry. You're going to have madness. You're going to have confusion. They're not going to learn the scriptures which shows you how to deal with anger. Scriptures will show you how to deal with hate. Scriptures will show you how to deal with grudging. And all the works of the flesh are going to still be in that one person, which is going to prevent that house to have peace. And also going to be confusion for the children also. The children are not going to be cleansed. That's why in verse 13, um, I meant to say verse 14, it talks about how when they're together and dwelling in Christ in that unison, the children are also going to be cleansed because they're going to be learning the proper way of dealing Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now, and you know what, that's a good point to bring out, bro, because 
it's that understanding that we need to have, you know, as a husband, well, as individuals, but as a husband and wife, um, we really need to have that understanding of Christ according to as it is written. And we really need to show that to our kids so that they won't make the same mistakes that are made out there in the world. You know, exactly. so they won't yeah. they won't they won't have a scholarship and be and look forward to a scholarship or being accepted to a pre- prestigious university or or, or a, on the on the cusp of achieving success in this world and then go and you know flame out and end up uh, a burden on society or end up in jail or or eight kids by six different daddies at by 19, you know, different things like that, you know, because you see too much of that in our our, our young ones today. Um, and it's been happening for a while. Um, I was talking with, uh, with my wife. She knows somebody that's like 61 years old. He had a full-ride scholarship at, um, at uh, a prestigious uh University that's like they, their basketball team is in the in the tournament every year just about had a mm. scholarship there was actually there playing and in the off season or doing school or some at some time he got in a fight with somebody over dice a dice game wow. back in the, and stabbed him and he he you know. <laughs> Like that movie, that old time movie. I could have been a contender, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It, that's what he. That's what he was saying. I mean, he turned into a drug dealer and a pimp. Wow. You know, and who who knows what he's doing nowadays? The guy's in his sixties, but he left that. You know, playing a game that he, you know, he, it's a game, and people that can stick in that and stick with it. Make millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, and just to fall off from that, to have made it and been on the cusp of success, that just go into something ratchet like that, you know, and, and throw it all away, that, according to the scriptures, is a lack of understanding. So we have to. You know, since this happens so much, you know, you have a, a, a child, they excel in grammar school, and then by 14, 15-year-old, they don't turn into a drug dealer, like, almost overnight. You know, what what happened? You know, that you didn't really apply or have that understanding to apply of how not to go into those lusts, you know, yeah. of, 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 the, of, the, of imitating what's on the music channel or what, or wherever he got it from, you know? So, um, I want to look at a couple of scriptures. If you don't have anything, you got something? Let's, uh, let's take a quick promo break and, uh, we'll come back and pick up. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right. The body of Christ church radio network broadcasts, seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the BOCC. Listen to our archive broadcasts or check us out while we are live on the air. Come 
and visit us in the virtual living room at 2 o'clock p.m. on Sundays where we examine current topics according to the scriptures. Are you looking for the truth? Can you handle the truth? Find out on Mondays at 8 o'clock p.m. It doesn't matter what church you attend or philosophy you believe, take the challenge to see Are You Smarter Than Your Pastor on Tuesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. The world is engrossed in darkness, but it shall be destroyed by the light. Check out From Darkness to Light at 7 o'clock p.m. on Wednesdays, where all manner of witchcraft, occult practices, and Satanism is exposed for what it is. Before the light comes, it's time to awake on Thursday at 8 o'clock p.m. If you are seeking salvation, listen to Repentance is the Key, Fridays at 7 o'clock p.m. And after you've listened to all of these shows, find out how we will become kings and priests Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock a.m. All shows are on Eastern Standard Time. Remember to check out the Body of Christ Church seven days a week on blogtalkradio.com forward slash the B-O-C-C. That's blogtalkradio.com forward slash T-H-E-B-O-C-C. Shalom. Connect with the Body of Christ Church on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash the BOCC. Follow us on Twitter at the BOCC and view our videos on youtube.com forward slash the BOCC1. Link with us to learn more about repentance and salvation according to the Holy Bible. Remember what Christ said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. We pray that the information on our pages guide you towards true repentance to the Heavenly Father in the name of Christ. Shalom. All right, everybody. Shalom. Welcome back to our show. Brother Bond, you got the mic. Okay. So, uh, all praises, number one, to the Most High in Christ for giving us this understanding uh, that we have to be able to come out and go through these scriptures and help our people understand that they need to repent. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7 because I want to get into what happened uh, between that perfect marriage as described in the Garden of Eden and what happens uh, with, you know, raising wise children according to the word of the Lord, prosperous children according to the word of the Lord. What happened between then and now? Because, you know, I'm not saying everybody's kids are off, but what I am saying is, there's enough bad examples out there of young people making the wrong decisions. And it's basically from, as the scriptures say, a lack of understanding. So let's see what happened between 
way back then, you know, when men had the understanding, till now. Read Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 29. Okay. Okay. Um, It says, Lo, this only have I found, that God has made men upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Oh, okay. So, Men were made upright, but they had to go into their own mind and do what they want to do and not hear the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's pretty bad, you know, because you look at Matthew 17, verse 17. We're not going to go there. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But, but Christ, when they, he had been called, uh, by the uh, the people to uh, throw take the evil spirit out of a child that was thrashing the child around, um, he was like, "You faithless and perverse generation," meaning you don't believe the word, you don't believe what you can do in the word, and you're perverse because you go into all types of things that you shouldn't go into. And then by now, the time that we're in, it's gotten even worse. Yeah. Okay? You know? So, and this is what has happened, because we know in First uh, Corinthians, what, the wages of sin is death. Right? This is what has happened. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 8. And... Uh, this is this is what this is what we do. You know, we talk about, you know, examples of people making the wrong choices and you know, you had a full ride scholarship here or you you know, you you made the I mean, I'll even get an example of myself. I was accepted to a prestigious university, uh and I could have got a scholarship. I didn't want to research it and stuff because I was too interested in going to um the weed house, smoking weed, drinking beer, and trying to be a player, player. I'm hanging out, me and my buddies running around telling women we sterile. <laughs> you know, just, just being a being a a, a a bleepity bleep fool, a bleepity bleepity bleep 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 idiot. <laughs> you know, and you know, I thank the Most High Christ that they pulled me out of that into these scriptures. You know. But this is what happens with, with you know with our people in general. Read Jeremiah chapter eight verse three. Okay, Jeremiah eight and three, and death shall be chosen rather than life by all the residue of them that remain of this evil family, which remain in all the places whether I have driven them," said the Lord of hosts. So death mm-hmm. is chosen rather than life. So. When people say, okay, the FBI statistics show that from the date of the first sale to death or imprisonment, in the United States of America, the average amount of time is eight years. You know, some die maybe two days a week or whatever after they commit their first sale. Some of them live you know, a long, peaceful life and get lucky, even though they still got judgment coming from the Lord. 
Yeah. But the average the average life expectancy of a drug dealer is eight years from the from the day they turn a mind to say, Listen, I'm a sell drugs. So that death is just about sure. It's it's it it's just like the statistics that say, Listen, two wait a minute, one out of the three people that that start smoking cigarettes is going to die of lung cancer. The other one is going to die of some other cancer or, or emphysema or something, you know, and the other one is going to have health problems. So, like, two out of the three people that start smoking cigarettes, you know, they're going to die from cigarette-related problems, you know, definitely cigarette-related problems. The other one out of three is going to just have problems and may live a little longer, and we really don't know. So when you're looking at almost certain death over a period of time, but you still want to sell drugs or you still want to uh, uh, smoke cigarettes, what are you doing? You're choosing death over life. When I yeah. stopped wanting, when I stopped wanting to study chemistry, one oh one. And 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 calculus two forty one at the university and decided I wanted to skip my exams because I'm laying up with this chick and then I'm not studying because I want to you know hang out with my buddies and party you know I was choosing a state of death and it would have led to my eventual death. It almost did put me in a couple close scrapes a few times, but I chose that rather than a prosperous life. And our people do that when they choose to go against the word of the Lord because what? The word of the Lord says don't be an extortioner and don't use drugs and definitely don't sell them. And it also says that any herb, fruit-bearing seed and tree, this and that was supposed to be for meat, not to be burnt up in a fire and you put the fire into your lungs. So you're going against the word of the Lord when you do those things. So, And that's how we choose death, because the wages of sin are death. When we go against the word of the Lord, that is sin. Exactly. So, you know, that's, that's the connection. We make the wrong choices, and it's not like, you know, we make these choices in our sleep. You know, some of us don't understand, don't understand the choice, the consequences of the choices that we make. So some people, uh huh. And you also have some people that do understand, but yet they're in bondage to that sin. Exactly. Exactly. Let's look at Mark uh, chapter 8. Okay. What verse? Um, Mark chapter 8, verse 33. Okay, Mark eight thirty three. But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Okay, 
So Peter was talking about how Christ wasn't going to die and he wasn't going to let him die and, you know, um, you know, we ain't going to let you die or whatever. You're wrong for saying that. He was like, listen, you're speaking against the word of God. You don't like to be about the things that are of God if you're telling me different than what the word of the Lord says because the the word of the Lord had prophesied how he was going to give his life up for a sacrifice for the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. So, and this is saying he had a mindset of Satan. He just was, he was satanic for going against the word. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we do when I decide I want to light up a blunt. Because I used to smoke a lot before I had to read Genesis chapter 1 where, you know, weed and tobacco and all that stuff wasn't made for that. It was not made for that at all. It had another purpose. To use it different from that is a sin. And that sin and refusing the word of the Lord and refusing to go according with it as it is written is Satanic. People you know don't understand that. Yeah, you know what? Also, is uh, you know that the way that scripture comes out, and it's, it's such a powerful message because um, somebody could read it and be going into their own thoughts and be like, "Well, he's telling Christ that he's not going to die, he's not going to leave." Well, that's a good thing, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, so certain things to our mind may seem good. But if it's contrary to the word of God, it's evil. Mm-hmm. It's just that you are, it's your lack of understanding on what righteousness is. You know what I'm saying? And people have to realize that, too, because a lot of times you may look at something and think within your own understanding that it's good, but it's actually evil and not good. That's why we have to trust in the word of God to guide us in what's right and what's wrong and not trust in our own, our own minds. Exactly, exactly. You know, so so mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Say, especially if it's something that you like, because the, uh, that's why I was going to talk about the deceitfulness of sin. Because sometimes when it's something you like, your mind may find a way to justify your sin. So, you know, we can't trust in our own minds. The scripture tells us that the, the heart is wicked above all things and desperately it's evil above all things and desperately wicked. So we can't trust in our minds. We have to trust in the word. Exactly. Sorry about that. So go ahead. No, no, that was an excellent point. And let's go um let's go on into Luke chapter four. I'm gonna go to Luke four and then first John two. We're gonna look at something also. The first one is in Luke four when um Christ was being tempted by the devil himself. Okay. And um, we know that Christ responded each time with, it is written. Meaning it was already written down in the Old Testament how to resist these temptations. But I just want us to take a a, a long, well, not a long look, but a focused, sharp look at what Satan was telling 
Christ when he tempted him this uh, second time. Read Luke 4, um, start at verse 5. Okay. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Okay, stop. So he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, meaning he even showed him not only the kingdom he was in, the kingdoms before and their glory, but he showed him the kingdoms after that, all the kingdoms, even this kingdom that we are living in right now. Yeah. Even this era, all the, the kings or whoever, whatever is ruling system behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, whatever. He showed that to him also, right? Uh-huh. Read verse 6 of Luke 4. Okay. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. Oh, okay. So all this power will I give to you. This is what he's telling us. All this power will I give you and the glory of it. For that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. So whoever Satan wants to give the power in even this kingdom we are in nowadays, because remember, he showed him this kingdom as well as all the others. He gives that power to whomsoever he will. Okay, read verse 7. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Okay, so <laughs> this you hear a lot of uh, like music stars, movie stars or whatever saying, you know, how are you, you know, they ask them, how are you so successful? And they say, well, you know, uh, 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 the one dude said, uh, yeah, I made, a, I made a deal with the general. And, uh-huh. and the guy interviewing him was like, huh? Said, yeah, you know, you know, the commander, you know, the, the big one, the big chief. Mm, you yeah. know? So, so he told Christ, if you will worship me, all shall be thine. So I'm going to give you all this glory and all this power. All you got to do is worship me. So that's a lot of, that's something to think about because a lot of times we we don't understand that there is no gray area in this world when it comes to either worshiping Satan or, or Christ. We, we have to understand that. You're either going to be worshiping Satan or you're going to worship Christ. And the scriptures will bear that out. Let's go to, um, I think it's James. Yeah, that's um, another important point in that. um, Uh I like to highlight, too, is that the scripture is letting us know that this present world, um, Satan is in charge of this world right now. You know, Satan and Satan is not only in charge in this world, but he also has the power to bless people, because exactly. he's telling yeah, he's telling Christ right here that he's going to give him power and riches in this world if you will worship me. Exactly, 
But then you you got to remember you can get power in this world from Christ because Christ mm-hmm. has said whosoever will leave father, mother, brethren, possessions, lands, whatever for me will receive more in this world with tribulation and in the end eternal life. There was no promise of eternal life with Satan. Absolutely. So we, I want to go to, I'll I'll read the scripture right quick. It's James 1.17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So either we worship in the Most High through Christ or we worship in Satan. So, and a lot of times when when things feel good and when everybody else in the world is doing it, it is Satan worship. Just like when people uh, do Christmas and Easter and all these other holidays that plainly and popularly accepted in the world, they are doing Satan worship. They don't know it, but they are. But you, and you you have to understand this, and these are things that we should avoid. That's where I'm going with this. We have to understand what is right and what is wrong, and not go for the carrot on the end of the stick or the dollar hanging from the hook on the end of the stick, and don't chase the wrong things. Don't make those wrong decisions because those wrong decisions destroy family. If you lay with a woman as a man, you have to stay with her and help her grow, and she help you grow, and y'all study these scriptures and work out y'all differences and grow in Christ, have kids and raise them up, and y'all all have to learn how to understand not only the consequences of your decision to avoid going into the wrong ones, but you have to understand how Satan operates and you have to be able to see him coming so that you can push off his advances and stay true to the word because his promises and his uh, rewards are by no means any match for what is promised to us in Christ. Okay. So let's look at um first John two. Okay, first John the second chapter. Okay, where do you want me to start? Uh verse fifteen. Okay. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay. Verse 16? Yep. All right, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Oh, okay. So 
who controls all the glory of all the kingdoms in the world? You're talking about this yeah. present world? Yeah, Satan. No. Okay. So let me ask that again. Who controls all the glory of all the things in all the kingdoms in the world? You know who? But bring us right back to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the principalities and powers. Exactly. But who offered all that glory of those kingdoms of all the world to Christ? Satan. Okay. So love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The love of Satan is. Okay, for all yeah. that is in the world, you know what I mean? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's a, a one thing that a lot of young people go into because, you know, like young men, like I remember when I was young, I wake up every morning with the, you know, and there was something that had changed in my body, and uh, I would look at it and I would say, you know what, I have to relieve this pressure. Let me go find a, uh, one of my girls. Or something, you know, is it wickedness? That is evil. To think mm-hmm. of a, a, a woman as a piece of meat. Okay, but that's an example of the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Well, you know what? That dude got a nice car. I, I, I got to get a nice car too. Or I'm going to have to steal that car. Or, you know or even adultery because you see something, you want to have it. There's so many lusts of the eyes. We could spend a class, two-hour class, just talking about that. Yeah. And the pride of life. You know how we are when we're young. You can't tell us nothing. Some people, you know, they older, they still get into that. You know, you can't tell me nothing, you know. Is not of the Father, but is of the world. And who runs the world? Satan. Okay. Read verse 17 of 1 John 2. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abideth forever. Oh, okay. So remember when I said that Satan's promises can't hold a candle to the promises that are most high through Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a scripture that shows you that. All of that stuff is going to pass away. All those desires, you know what, you desire that 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 fat uh, car, phone, whatever, all that stuff going to burn. John the Baptist said in Matthew 3, it's going to burn. It's going to burn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so going after these things and making these choices for things to end up burning with that those things is not the right thing to do. So that's what parents and children need to understand. Parents need to understand that, and then they need to take that understanding and train it and correct it into their children. Okay. Let so, me uh. Mm-hmm. Let me hit one scripture with that. Yeah. Go ahead, bro. 
Because there's a there's a word that is used uh, mm-hmm. that we're called for doing that. This is uh, James 4 and 4. Okay. It says, uh, Ye adulteresses, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. The reason I wanted to hit that scripture because it's calling them an adulterer and adulteresses. Now, the reason why the Mosai is using that term to the to the people because who are we supposed to be married to? We supposed to be married to the Heavenly Father of Christ, right? Exactly, because we we supposed to have been in a covenant. Our ancestors entered a covenant, something like a marriage contract with the Most High in Christ back in the day. We ruined that, and now we're in a better covenant with better promises under Christ. So exactly. that you know. We can't. We just can't do that. We just can't do these bad decisions. So, when we looking for riches and looking for money and asking, you know, asking the Most High for money and all these carnal material things, so we can do what? So we can please the people in the world. That's why I talk about all that's in the world: the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life. That's what it's all going into. It's going into us being proud because we have material possessions and being proud of our children because of material possessions, yet they're on drugs, yet they're out there fornicating, yet they're homosexuals, yet they're into idolatry. But Mm -hmm. the main thing we're supposed to be focusing on teaching them and teaching ourselves and teaching our wives is to love God and to fear God and to do the things that's righteous. But we left that. A lot of people left that and went after the they went after the gold and the platinum. So what are they <laughs> yeah. doing in, in essence? They're serving Satan and instead of serving God, they serve Satan. So they have became adulterers and adulteresses. Meaning they're committing fornication against God. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that's all I wanted to bring up, brother. Okay, all right. Well, so what, you know, we're going into how the world is, and that's the reason, uh, the way the world is, and how the satanic influences on us and our children, how that has destroyed the family. Um, The remedy, and we've been saying it all along, and we've been going into the book of the remedy all along, the Bible. What does it say about the, the remedy? The remedy. So what do we have to do? We, we know that, you know, any parent knows. Any parent that cares about their children's know, children know, excuse me, any parent that cares about their children knows that it's a battle to keep them on the right path. It's a daily battle. So what exactly is this battle about? Because sometimes, you know, we do all the right things. Like you said, we, you know, parents have good jobs, live in a good neighborhood and stuff, but kids are still off the chain. 
or the kids mm-hmm. grow up nice to a certain point. They move out of town and go to college, get their freak on, and then it's all over. You know, what? what is this understanding or there's a, an information gap or, or understanding gap uh, in how we deal sometimes because we got things backwards. We think that prosperity that we should have is a prosperity according to this world when it's not. It's a prosperity according to the scriptures. And it's not exactly. the same thing. So let's exactly. go to Second Corinthians 10. Okay. And um, look at uh, starting at verse 3. Second okay. Corinthians 10 and 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Stop. There it is. As they used to say back in the day, ta-da. Yeah. So, when, you know, when we walk, we live and we walk around, drive around with every day in our fleshly bodies, we don't war after the flesh, so we're not warring after, you know, we ain't trying to overthrow governments. We ain't trying to, you know, you know, I'm not, we, you know, it's just we're not uh, uh, rebellious, okay, because it talks about how in uh, Romans 13 about um, the powers that be and be subject to them and all of that other stuff. So we're not talking about warring against governments or anything. The war that we fight is not a colonel warfare, but it's a spiritual warfare. And the pulling down of strongholds that we do through God is the strongholds and the imaginations, the, the comfort zones, the ideas of what's right and wrong in our minds and in our kids' minds, just like the example we gave a, a while back. Everywhere little Johnny go, he like to steal something. He go in your bedroom, he steal something. He go to the store, he steal something. He go over to his cousin's house, steal something. He go down the street, he steal something. He go out in the backyard, he steal something. You know what? He got a stronghold in his mind that got to be pulled down. And he needs to be corrected and guided and disciplined out of that stronghold to save his soul from hell. Mm, yeah. Okay. And that, and we all have imaginations and feelings and comfort zones and th- things we like to do and ways we like to do it, stuff like that. That is against what the scriptures say. So we have to search the scriptures to find out what's wrong according to as it is written. Cast that down. Because when we go into those things, we're exalting ourselves and our ideas and our, and our what the Scripture says, many inventions that take us away from God. We're exalting those things against God. Mm, yeah. So we have, to tear, we have to tear those things down, and we have to bring our thoughts into the captivity of Christ, meaning um, like um, Matthew 11 says about taking his yoke upon us, his 
discipline, his way of life, walking down the path he walked, okay? We have to take that on, and we have to give that understanding to our children. And once we do that, we can expect and see an improvement in not only how a husband and wife would act with each other, but how the kids would be also, so that eventually they can attain to that description of uh, that we read about the description of the elder or bishop in Titus. They had a high understanding where even the children in the family were faithful, meaning that they they believed that if they lived a certain way, they would get a reward of the kingdom. So they do not steal. They do not act a blippy blip fool, you know, the parents or the children, you know, and that's just, then there's many examples of things that we need to fix so that we can get right in Christ. But that is the remedy. Yeah. Um, did you I, have Yeah, I'd like to add on this, man, because this is one of my favorite scriptures. I love this scripture because it, um, it tells so much on what we're dealing with. Yep. Um, because, um, one of the things that, you know, I, I like to highlight that you, you know, you bring it out also is um, how the scriptures talk about that we in a warfare, like we in a battle, you know, and it's letting us know that it's not like a Black Panther Party type of thing where you're fighting against the government and things of that nature, but the battle is going on within yourself because the scriptures telling you about your imaginations and the thoughts that's in your head that you have to cast these things down. Um, and bring them to the obedience of Christ, and it's not an easy thing. That's why uh, this the scriptures um, um, uh, identify or give us a similitude of a war. You know, and there's many places where it does this. You know, it let us know that it's a warfare that's taking place. So when you talk about a warfare, a warfare is not something that's easy. Yeah, it's not something that just happens overnight. Um, exactly. I want to add the scripture to connect with this one. Um, this is uh, Second yep. Timothy's, the second chapter. I want to read verse three and four. Okay. Okay. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So when when the scriptures talk about endure hardness, it's letting us know that when we're fighting our flesh to. Uh, Break certain bad habits It's not an easy thing If you're a person That likes to deal with things With anger and rage And you got to control that It's hard for you But you got to endure that hardness If you're somebody that likes to do drugs And you got to get off those drugs It's not an easy thing If you're somebody that have uh, A lot of women You got to stop doing that It may not be easy for you so you have to endure that hardness because you're in a warfare, you're in a battle, you're fighting those thoughts that's coming in your mind to make you want to go contrary to the commandments of God. Exactly. But the scriptures tell us to bring those thoughts to the obedience of Christ because that's what Christ did. He was in the flesh just like us, yep. yet, yet without sin. Okay, verse 4. Yep. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, 
that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So we were chosen to be soldiers. We were chosen by God and Christ to come into this battle. And if we're in this battle and we warn, we we are not to entangle ourselves. And I like how the scriptures use these words like entangle. If you ever have a, a, a let's say you have some headphones and the wires are tangled, it's not easy to get out of that tangle. You got to untangle them things. So when we into sin, we're tangled up in these things. Exactly. We have to get ourselves out of these situations, get ourselves out of these things, and don't let ourselves be entangled again into the affairs of this world, into the the club scene and the and the drug scene and the fornicating scene and all these other the, the gang scene and the crime and the theft and all the other wickedness going on now. The pagan holidays and all these things. We cannot be entangled because the people that's out there, they're entangled in these things, and it's a warfare. Yes, it is. To keep ourselves out of these things. And we have to we have to please the most high who has chosen us. It's a precious thing. He has chosen us to be a soldier. Exactly. Exactly, bro. Yep. Excellent point. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. And and I, I like that term, man, how he's he's referring to us as soldiers and we in a war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's, it's not a cardinal war; it's a spiritual war. Exactly, but it's a it's a battle every day to make sure you right, your your spouse is right, and and your kids are right. Exactly. You know, because so many satanic influences in this world that are trying to destroy the family. You know, and we just have to come out of the understanding where we're mired or heavy laden or or tangled up in these understandings and philosophies of deceit because they're not going to get us anything but death. Yeah. So when we come out of that, we have to put on Christ. And I want to go to a scripture here in in Ephesians 2. Okay. Um. And it starts out with verse 1 talking about you have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin, meaning we're so much into our sinful state that we might as well be dead. But if we put off those sins with the understanding of Christ, then we are made alive again, and we have a life to look forward to, meaning that we will be able to make it in the kingdom if we get it right in time. But let's look at verses 2 and 3. Just read read Ephesians 2 and 2. Okay. Wherein, wherein time passed, you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that worked, the spirit that now worketh in children, in the children of disobedience. Okay, so who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan. Okay. So, in time past, we walked according to the course of this world. Who's ruling this world? Satan. Satan. Okay. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So everybody that's 
disobeying these words got a spirit or a mindset or an idea that is satanic in nature. When you when you take all of the the decorations and candy and good feelings and weed smoke and all this other adornment and decoration off of it, it is a mindset that is satanic. Mm. Okay. And this is what we have to understand. So so when your kid come home from school and the little boys are in the bathroom, and I'm talking about grammar school, all right, little boys are in the bathroom videotaping each other, doing stuff to each other, and then uh, posting a video on Snapchat or whatever or whatever thing and showing it around the world. So, <laughs> that's satanic. You know, yeah. they might call it, you know, free love or whatever they want to do. But no, that's something that your child cannot do. You, you know, if the other kids want to do it and the other parents want to let their kids do it, that's fine. But you know, what they call it now, is, uh, they got a term huh? now. They call it uh, the term that's big now is a term they call uh, YOLO. Yeah, that's that's fine too. People want to do that, that's fine. They have their choice. However, you have to understand that you can't do it and you can't let your kids do that because. That is a satanic mindset. Exactly. They have to stand that they that these choices have consequences, and these choices really, really are everlasting choices. So read verse three. It says, "Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh." fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Okay, so now, uh, you know, we had these same things. You and I even started from this same starting point. But then we took on these scriptures and decided to say, hey, you know what, this is what we have to do. This is how we should live. So guess what? I'm not going to fulfill the desires of my mind anymore. I'm going to do what the scriptures say. So as much as I want to go out to the club and buy drinks and check out my chances of potentially fornicating with some woman are, when the scripture says be a husband of one wife, don't buy and sell on the Sabbath, don't hang out in dens of iniquities and stuff like that, you know, I have to put that lust of my flesh away, and I have to understand that I cannot do things like that. And then parents, once they understand that or read it even in the scriptures, they have to convey that understanding to their children. That is the remedy for the failure or the destruction of the family because these things happen all over the world. Because what? People are disobeying what's written in this Bible, and they become the children of wrath. They get judgment from the Most High. You call it on the streets, um, oh, they call it a bad one. That's judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they call it a bad decision. Oh, really? Is that what it is? Well, that's what that's what y'all call it today, but, you know, the scriptures have always called it a certain thing, you know, that sinners will be judged. So what we have to do is make sure that 
we're not receiving the judgment of sinners and that we we do what we can to instill an understanding of how uh instill an understanding in our kids of how to be the same way. Do you have anything, bro? No, no. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Let me go to um uh let's see how much we got about fifteen minutes left? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna to go to uh back to Second Corinthians. No, actually, um I'm gonna to go to Colossians three. Okay. Yeah, to add in um just uh, some words on what you were saying is that uh huh? people don't seem to realize that, you know you know, we say this all the time, you know, how you know, they, they, they realize that there's a lot of problems in this world and they wanna march and um, come up with midnight basketball and all these other solutions, which are not really solutions, but you know, they're they're false remedies. And when the the solution is in the scriptures on what we have to do to heal ourselves as as a as a people, as a nation, as a the whole earth can be healed if everybody would take heed to the scriptures. You know, because uh, something I always say is the, the the thing that makes this world so much different than the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is such a better place is that in the kingdom of heaven, the laws of God are going to be are going to be enforced. And that's mm-hmm. what's going to cause the peace and harmony is because everybody's going to be following the commandments. That's why it's going to be a place of peace and harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that peace and harmony could be here also if everybody would take heed to the words of God. That's why I was exactly. given. That was the purpose the word was given. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, brother, where you want me at? Um, Colossians 3. Okay. Um. Let's read verse 2. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay. So what 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 uh didn't the word of God come from above down on down to men on earth? Yes it did. Okay. So that's what we should that's what we should have our affection on. Not have our affection on things of this world. Because as the scriptures have plainly brought out, things in this world are ruled and uh, ruled by Satan and given to those that worship him. So you look at somebody that's got 4,000 colors and 300-something different uh, images or whatever tattooed all over their skin, and they're, they are sports athlete or a music star or whatever, and they are promoted in this world as something that children should aspire to. Yeah. You, you have to look at that. Wait a minute. What is the, Let me see what the scriptures say about that. Okay, and then communicate how wicked and evil that is when the scriptures say it is to your kids. That is having your affection 
on things above, not on things on the earth. So let's go, and this actually this entire chapter is a good read for husband, wife, and children. Okay, but I'm just going to skip through it. Let's go right to verse 18. Okay, this is uh, 318? Yep. Okay, wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Okay, as it is fit in the Lord. So if you want to buck up against your husband, there should be a scriptural reason why. Because, I mean, you look at Abraham as an example of faith, but when he was dealing a certain way, and he didn't want to do or understand what the Lord uh, had ordained, his wife Sarah charged him up. And then he was like, what? And the Lord was like, yo, and all that she said to you, she's right. So yeah. even though even though it, you know, he didn't want to do it, Abraham went on and did it, you know, because he believed. So that, you know... His, his woman didn't let him go into doing something wrong and not say nothing. Oh, it'll hurt his feelings. You know, so there is a balance in that relationship that can only be perfectly described in the scriptures. All right? Read verse 19 of Colossians 3. Okay. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Okay, so then there's a there's a thing for the husband to do. Stop being bitter. You look it up in the dictionary and see what it is and then apply it. But basically it's talking about not being smart alecky, uh condescending, looking down on, uh calling calling uh calling them names when they don't understand or because you're mad or because you can't find something or the tooth the, the cap is off the tube of toothpaste. That's being bitter yeah. against your wife. Uh, where <laughs> I almost went into this the other day. I was like, I I used to say, "Where did honey? Where did you move this stuff?" But I said, "Honey, have you seen the such and such?" <laughs> now you now you know I didn't. No, no, honey, no, no, not not like before. I wasn't saying you moved it. I'm just saying I'm blind right now. I can't. Oh, you know what? There it is. See, all I needed to do was just talk to you. I knew talking to you would help me find it instead of blaming them for moving it when they ain't even touched it. I was the last one to put it there, mm. you know, but now going into that blame game and stuff, you know, that's being, that's going to be better. That's not how we should deal, you know. Now read verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. And read verse twenty one. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Okay, so the children are supposed to obey their parents in all things. That's going into listen, if your parents don't like you hanging out with uh with little Johnny that steal all the time, 
then you know what? You can't be hanging out with little Johnny that steal all the time because your parents don't want to come down to to the police station and pick you up because you was hanging with little Johnny that steal all the time and y'all went to the mall and he stole something. So obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And then fathers, they're not supposed to provoke their children to anger, not always coming down on them, not just yelling and screaming all the time and making them upset and discouraged and depressed or giving them a low self-esteem by the way you treat them. You know, that's how this is a, a small picture of how a family is supposed to operate in Christ. And also, uh, to add on to it, um, it's not, you know, because a lot of times people get, uh, they they use the scriptures to their own benefit. But we have to understand that when the scriptures is telling the children to obey their parents in all things, it's talking about, it's not talking about a parent that's raising the child, putting his daughter out there to be a prostitute, or taking his um, son and having him be a drug dealer. Or exactly. when it's talking about a wife, submit yourself to a husband. It ain't talking about submit yourself to a husband that's going to have you out there prostituting and doing things evil. It's talking exactly. about in line with what's with Christ, because Christ is supposed to be the head of that man, and that man is supposed to lead them into following Christ. He's supposed to lead his children into following Christ and 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 uh, teaching them judgments that's in line with the scriptures, righteous judgments. And exactly. they're supposed to fall in line and follow those righteous judgments. You know, the wife also. And the wife can also correct that husband, if, like you were saying, if the husband is not going in line with the scriptures. And the children can correct if, they, if the judgment is not going in line with the scriptures. And we all supposed to submit to what the scriptures say. And that's when you'll have that perfect relationship. Exactly, brother. All praises. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's good, man. We just out about we just about out of time too. Okay, that's um, all you had then? Yeah, that's 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 all we had. I just hope that um that I got the a word scripture goes. I to bring out too then. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yep. You know, try to, to end it up. This is uh mm-hmm. Act seventeen. Exactly. And, I'm going to start high up, though. I'm going to start from the beginning, verse 22. Yeah. I think i got time to bring it out. Okay, go ahead. All right. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship him, declare I unto you. So, you know, I really, I started there because that this world is too, is too superstitious within itself, and the understanding of God is not in this world. Um, we got people talking about Mother Nature. We got people talking about uh, Santa Claus coming down the chimney. We got the Easter Bunny. Um, this world is very superstitious. And a lot of these people say they believe in God, but the things that they're dealing with is 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 either idolatry and it's totally against the commandments of God. Um, they're not only going into idolatry by serving things which were originally set up for idol worship, 
but uh, they're going into idolatry and chasing the dollar bill, but not chasing the Most High God and finding out how to please Him. But they find finding out how to fulfill their lusts and how to become material materialistic and material wealth in this world, but not spiritually rich with God. So uh, I'm gonna continue, verse 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and of earth, dwell not in temples made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he need anything seen. He giveth all life and breath and all things, and has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined a time before appointed has determined the times before appointed in the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they may they might they might feel they might feel feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So the most high isn't far from us. We can find out about the most high because we have his word right here to direct us and guide us on how to please him. We don't have to go to a man and have him tell us and dictate to us how to please the most high. Because the scriptures tell us that every man is a liar. So, you know, that's why it's so important. If somebody tells you that God says this or God wants this, they should be able to read it out the scriptures. Verse 28. For in him we all live and move and have our being, as, as, as certain also of you own poets have said, for we are also his offsprings. For as much then as we are the offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone or graven by or graven by art and men's devices. In the time of this ignorance, God winked at, but now has commanded all men everywhere to repent, because He has appointed a day in in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man of whom He has ordained. Wherefore He has given assurance unto all men. And that he has risen him from the dead. So the Most High has winked of our ignorance and doing things that was contrary to his word by raising up his son and uh, to show us and guide us on the right way to follow and to serve him by his guidance, not by men, but by his word, which is contained in the scriptures. And um, so he winked at our ignorance and has commanded us to repent from our ignorant ways and to follow him. And to repent from our sins. And um, with that, brother, if you have anything else to uh, add on? Uh, no, brother. That's it. I said um, I'll praise it to the Most High through Christ. And I hope this uh, class went out and uh, helped the people that it's meant for. Yeah, giving all praises to the Most High in Christ uh, for the understanding, um, for the ability to come out here and teach His Word. I'm glad to have you, brother, to, to help me in the, do the show and to. Uh, um, Reach our people, and we hope that everybody, uh, um, the Most High, bless you with understanding and give you the zeal within your heart to repent and follow his word. And uh, with that, we say shalom, and may the Most High increase the fruits of your righteousness. Shalom.